0: Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Theology in the Raw. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Theology in the Raw. Support the show for as little as five bucks a month. Or you can support me through Venmo and all that info is in the show notes. So please check it out if you have been challenged, encouraged or angered by this podcast. I have on the show today the one and only Dr. Greg Boyd. Now, here's the thing. we, <laughs> <laughs> he's. If you know anything about Greg, you know why I'm laughing. He's he's awesome and so unique and the guy has so much energy and his mind just goes and goes and goes and goes and he just always has thoughtful things to talk about. We pre-recorded this podcast back in August he didn't know that I was going to release it on November, uh, well, today, uh, November 2nd. Um, but I'm so excited to have this kind of conversation about voting, politics, the kingdom of God. And then we do get into his recent book on um, on scripture. Uh, and uh, but I wanted him to come on the show because he's thought a lot about the intersection between Christians and politics. And I wanted him to talk about things like voting in politics, not Um, on the eve before the election but i wanted to hear i wanted others to listen to this conversation on the eve of election day Um, i wanted to engage this conversation with him without the kind of urgency of okay the world's gonna end tomorrow you know what are we gonna do so um yeah so i hope you enjoy this uh conversation with me and greg boyd um, uh, info on Greg is in the show notes I'm not going to introduce him He really is one of those guys who doesn't need any introduction Don't always agree with him You'll see us even get into some disagreement in this podcast uh, But it's all gr- it's He's such a great uh, sparring partner um, And so yeah I'm super excited for you to listen to this podcast uh, Again as I've uh, mentioned in the last couple podcasts I do have a book coming out February 1st It's called Embodied Transgender Identities, the Church and what the Bible Has to say If you want a, um, a theological, biblical Christian overview of the trans conversation with a lot of uh, relational pastoral concerns and uh, an awareness and survey of the latest scientific research surrounding. Um, various aspects of the trans conversation. Then, uh, would invite you to go check it out. It's available for pre-order right now. Um, you can go to Amazon and check it out. Again, the book is titled Embodied. All right, let's <laughs> let's uh, let let for for good or for ill. Uh, here is my conversation that I had a couple months ago with Greg Boyd. Boyd. If you don't know who Greg is, he is an internationally recognized theologian, preacher, teacher, apologist, and author. He's been featured on the front page of the New York Times. Is that right? Front page. You mean front page? Yeah, one
1: time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Greg got yeah. his uh, PhD from Princeton Theological Seminary, his MDIV from Yale University, BA from uh in philosophy from University of Minnesota, the author of Oh, so I saw it somewhere over 22, author or co author of over 22 books. And um, the, the book we're going to talk about, Greg, in, in just a few seconds um, is your most recent one called Inspired Imperfection How the Bible's Problems Enhance Its Divine Authority. That subtitle, that's something else, man. I can't wait for you to unpack that. I enjoy it. <laughs> But before we do that, I didn't tell you this, Greg. Uh, we were bantering around just briefly about politics. Um, this podcast, I'm actually planned. It. I've planned it for a while. It's going to be released on Monday, November second.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow! Uh, so
0: the day before. So <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so right now, I mean, we're, we're, you and I are, are not. It's not. It's I hope not it's
1: not too But I hope you're. <laughs> Get a a bunker. bunker.
0: (laughs) So if the world is still around, uh, yeah, by the time this thing releases, a lot of Christians are going to be, um, I think they're going to be scrambling around on Monday looking for just like, give me some last piece of advice. What am I supposed to do tomorrow? What's going to happen? So, Greg, I mean, you've been a pastor, theologian for many, many years. Many, 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 many years. No, I'm just um,
1: uh, and then, new,
0: I mean you've weathered. We've weathered the Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement. Uh,
1: <laughs> that uh, last that's dinosaur rocket is a
0: couple How should honestly though? I mean, if you could, if you could put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's just like they're shrugging their shoulders, they're looking for some kind of pieces of advice. They may be looking at the right, thinking, nah, I don't know about that, but then looking at the left and thinking, I don't know about that either. How, how should a Christian think through uh, election day tomorrow?
1: Well, <laughs> uh, um, you know, it, it's uh, four, four years, years ago, or maybe five years ago, if you would ask me that question, question I, my, my first answer would be, be, be well, you're, it's promised on the idea that we're supposed, supposed to be doing something, something mm-hmm. uh, about that kingdom. Uh, and And I'd call into question question that. In fact, i still do that. Like, are Are you supposed to vote? vote? Mm -hmm. Um, There are some people who shouldn't vote. Uh, And the 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 reason reason is because uh, it's hard to to vote vote and and not get completely completely sucked into into the toxicity of the whole fallen system. So I, for three elections, did not vote. And it was hard for me to abstain from that because I have opinions, and of course they're right. All of them are right. Uh, But I I had to abstain because if I start – you have to care to vote for it and to to give a vote. And it's hard to care and not get sucked into the the
0: tribalism.
1: Yeah, And and see the world through the prism of the the, the, the tribe that you got sucked into. And that's exactly the problem that's going on here uh, is that we're being siloed. Uh, into, into our own, own echo, echo, echo chambers, chambers and losing the capacity to talk to one, one another. Um, um, and, 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 and we even want we to, to, talk to talk to each other. other. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the divide is, is incredible. Um, yeah, you know, uh, a, a, a discipline that I've, I've used for uh, those whole elections the last year, uh, actually Thanks, I've been increasingly using it since Donald Trump, Trump got elected. elected. Um, and yeah, I, I, watch, I try to watch, watch MSNBC and Fox equal time. Uh but, but what's, what's interesting, interesting to me is that, that even over the last four, four years, the, the news reporting are getting – on the whole, they've been you know, they, they they over, but they're, they're, they're tending to get farther and farther, farther apart, apart. and, 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 no. and, the, and the, the other side more and more demonized. demonized. So, so yeah. that, I, 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 I be, be very, very careful about that. Demon Keeping the kingdom holy, distinct, distinct not being compromised by getting caught up in that is really important. Having said that, i I got to immediately add – this is what makes very very complex is that, that I, I had no idea how how much I was seeking from a white privilege perspective in saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, it's so it's easy for me, for me to, to, like, yeah, I have trouble not being sucked in, in but, but it's, it's easier for me not get to get sucked in because, because it doesn't, doesn't hurt me as much. Me as much. Yeah. As as it, other people, people are, 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 are going to have deep consequences for, you know, what happens. Those are at the top of the totem pole don't just to get affected by the flood. Yeah. Uh, and, so and so now no, I, 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 I try, try to and I encourage folks to, to think, to think this, this way about voting. voting. Um, what, what is going to the help people the people who are those who we are called the most to care about, to the marginalized, the, the French people, the fringe people, 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 people who are most living in the system? system. Um, how will – if, if you win this election, how will, will, election, how will, will the need, the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the foreigners, the immigrants, what impact will they feel from it, and, and, and instead of well, you, you be the, the criteria, criteria, what's, what's going to pocket, pocket my wallet or whatever? Mm-hmm. Blind, American narcissism and radical individualism. Kingdom people, all of our thinking should be other oriented, self-sacrificing is so the essence the of the kingdom. And so, and so think, so think about, about those that we're called to serve uh, most above. So, how would you?
0: No, I see where you're going with that. I, I can, I could probably read between the lines a little bit. Um So, I Um, Uh, i'm the gospel gospel, brother do do you feel and first of all i i in the last few years have been on a similar trajectory as you i've been way more explicit about not being involved in uh, let's just say partisan politics you know i think i think the gospel is political jesus is king is a political statement Um, so i i don't i don't like to say that you know the gospel isn't political it's profoundly political i just don't know if it's Partisan, and yet, like you said, um, to not involve yourself in American politics traditionally conceived.
1: Sure.
0: Yeah, it, it, certain people, with certain p- privileges, can do that. Yeah. And it doesn't affect them as much. I, I, I guess I would still wonder: is there? Because I've heard both. I've heard both sides. You know, on on the on the um, more Democratic side, they would say Trump is a racist. He is intrinsically harmful towards everything about him is harmful towards the poor the oppressed the marginalized anybody of color the immigrant look what's going on at the border um, all this stuff um but then i mean on the right I, i could see a counter argument saying what about he is tougher on crime and you know black on black crime is through the roof um look at all the violence in the street the stuff with the riots happening is that hurting people of color businesses that have started absolutely and it does seem to be people on the left who aren't as strong on crime that say no these are peaceful protests and you know like it's not it's it's not that big of a deal like this is just the pain of the people speaking out but at the end of the day it does seem that you know there's been a lot of innocent black people killed in the last few months So, and and, and someone on the right could say that's because of bad policies on for those on the left, and and I'm 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 honestly sorting through this. I don't know where it lands. So I just where I would speak from my own personal opinion is I don't know if the if if the clarity between who is better or worse for the poor and marginalized. I don't I don't know if I have a lot of clarity on that. Do you? you, Am I missing something there? I
1: I I, I I didn't offer any clarity on that. But would, it was interesting, interesting to me, Preston, that, that I all I did is they say were, we're to care for the the, the needy, the, the oppressed, oppressed hungry, the hungry, the poor, the homeless. Yeah. Matthew twenty five, that's the criteria of the judgment. Uh, uh, uh right. It was it interesting that you interpreted that, that as an endorsement of the Democratic, Democratic Party. Uh when, uh when I I, I would note that whether that Republican or Democrat or, or Greenpeace or whatever, or whatever, you would agree that we, that we are as king people called to do that. Now and, and and have whatever whatever say so we have, have to use on their behalf. Now, now having, having said, said that, that can be translated in a lot of different ways. ways. I, mean, I mean people can have very different, different perspective about what will oh well, you will like, like what, what helps what the, the poor. poor. Yeah. Well People we have fundamental disagreements be we have from the beginning of America. America. You know, you know do, 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 do you, you help, help people, people you, uh, the, the people are who are able, able to climb to the top and kind of, 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 of actually earn their, their wealth, and keep on rewarding that, that and then it'll create more jobs down? Or, or do you emphasize that we can have safety nets? And that's the whole, you know, so to say care for the poor, I hope we could all say yes. And the yeah. oppressed, and, and, and even oppress need marginalize all those, because that's the whole biblical motif. Right. But, but I, I have, have to allow the ambiguity of the political system. system. Yeah. The same faith can translate into a very different, different vote, because it's a, a very complex, complex manner how you put all put these things together. together. And, 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 that's and that's why, why I always tell people to respect the ambiguity. Okay. And see, that gets all the more important as we get more and more polarized. We're no longer respecting the ambiguity. Everything's black and white. and. And, and we're living, living in, in different, different worlds. worlds. It, it, it's, 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 a, a, it's a frightful, frightful thing. thing. So one thing, thing I would think, you want us, to you know, ask the is what will help us to be unified again? again? And what okay. can bring us together? Because, because uh, as it is now, know, you know, the there used to be a shared medium between, between people, people, people of, uh, whatever, whatever your opinions, your opinions were, were. You'll get your news from like three stations, right? And those three stations, it was all in their best interest to play to their, you know, to be neutral. But now, we're being so siloed that we can't even agree even upon facts. facts. Who's ahead in the, the polls. polls? What, what is, is, you know, know a, 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 is there a steep state going on? Can we, we trust, can the trust the post office? office. What about the, F, a, 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 the, the food, administration, administration, food and Drug Administration? administration. Um, uh, there's, there's no longer no trusted institutions, institutions. They of any, any kind. And uh, I don't know what democracy, democracy can survive with that. that I, I do see. Cause I, 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 I've been doing the exact same
0: thing as you. I've been doing, I, I typically do uh, AP News, um, um, Oh, what's the NPR and Fox news. Sometimes I do CNN, but that, I feel like CNN has gone so far to the left. It's almost, it just does feel more like propaganda than any kind of news. Fo- Fox is obviously on the right, but the the, the difference is though, like when I read Fox, if Trump does something stupid, they, they'll come, they'll call it out. Maybe not I, as hard, but I've I, literally, I've, I've never seen MSNBC or CNN say anything positive. I mean, he could sneeze and they would say it's a racist sneeze. So I, I just, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I but I'll have to say I, I do see <laughs> like the siloed nature. Exactly what you're saying. The, the 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 role that the media plays in the polarization and disruption and ultimately violence in our country. That that's a book right there. I mean that that's uh, the, it's more and more I see that is so it, it, it is, per, persuasive it, it, it's and pervasive. very
1: scary. It's very scary. scary. But what I'll tell you though that, that to my, my surprise. surprise I, I found on the whole – now, it, you, when you get to the kind of news entertainment on, on both sides, sides, that's where you, you can find the most extremism. But in terms, in terms of the news reporting, reporting oh God, uh, like, like, like the stuff, I find on the whole, Fox to be more open-minded. open-minded. They, they have, have guests with other opinions on much more frequently. frequently. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I recall last time West MSC had a, 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 a true uh, a uh, opponent, opponent come on and have a civil conversation. You find out a lot more on Fox News. It's – yeah, so so – I was surprised at that. Yeah. Me too.
0: I haven't watched Fox News in fifteen years. I only recently did because I all my other news sources were seemed to be drifting so far to the left, and I was expecting nothing but MAGA MAGA hats and all this pro right stuff. And I was like, I found it to be obviously on the right, obviously conservative, but a little more balanced and wanting at least on some. Spaces to engage in a conversation and having exactly several, what you
1: said, several uh, re, uh, interviewers on Fox that I think are just um, and, and reporters who are just as objective as you can get. Is, uh, they're they're, they're my, It seems to me that they call it out when there's crap going on at either side, and, right. and that's yeah. you're same important thing. But you know, President, even apart from the particulars of this, yeah. the serious situation where I think it's so important that that. We just have to acknowledge that we're going to have disagreements here. But as team people, how we hold our beliefs are at least as probably more important than the beliefs, the particular beliefs that we hold, and how we treat others, how we dialogue about this. Uh, my church is now we're preparing for a series we're going to start in October. Um, uh, on, on this polarization uh, here and, and what's the gospel approach to it. And we're inviting in uh, a, a person, of, they, they have a, uh, a ministry called Brave, or No, not, uh, uh, our more, more Courageous Angels. angels. They, they had named it Braver Angels, but then that was already took up. Oh, yeah. Is that John, John Wood? John, um, yes. Yeah. You know, I, no, 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 no. This is Bill Doherty. Oh, okay. Uh, but but uh, he holds seminars on this and, and, and bringing you know the red and blue together and can okay. we find common ground and you know talk about each other's humanity the things that we yeah. share and just try to understand each other's perspective. Yeah, uh, it's so I think if the church like like the kind of conversation we're having here, uh, if we could just talk about why we believe what we believe. Let's, Let's say, say you're a strong Republican, Republican and I, I, I go Democrat, And you have a civil conversation Yeah. Uh, because, because we're, we're in Christ, Christ. And, and, and we're called you know, to be ambassadors the here. Okay. So our main our job is to represent, represent the kingdom of God, God here. here. Mm-hmm. And, so and so we have to, the, the most important, important thing in our, our dialogue, dialogue here is, here is, is that we're manifesting the kingdom, the kingdom of God, God rather than, than convincing one another. Yeah. Um, yeah. The that, uh, my desire, my desire to, to express, express love towards, towards you because right, I was supposed to do everything, everything in love between the that that should, should be a, a much, much more important, important you should, you should walk away from my, my conversation and be feeling like you have been loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that should be a, a much, much more prominent goal than me convincing you that I'm, you that I'm right. right. That's, That's right. why I, 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 always I always tell, tell people at Wilson Hills, if you ever are in a debate and you find that winning the debate is more important than manifesting God's love for the other person, do the king a favor and shut up. you lose it?
0: <laughs> would you say your your congregation where, where are they at politically are they apolitical? are they, do they lean left lean right is it all over the place and how do you navigate that
1: i i, I wish i, I could, could say it's all over the place, place but um i suspect it leans left, left. Okay. uh i know I we know have, have some, some uh solid trump, trump supporters in our congregation in fact the a few you of them have explained, have explained to me, me why. why they they, they felt it both that way. way. They, they said, said they had to hold their noses, but yet, you know, have the have unborn take, take priority, priority over or, you know all, all the others. So see, that, that's that's, just, that's how the they work their system out. I, I respect that. that. Yeah. Um, but, but I I, I, I found that too frequently. Or, or I, at least, or least I wish it wasn't this frequently, but, but uh, I'll, I'll say, say something, something like um, Jesus calls us calls to uh, love the immigrant, uh, the yeah. foreigner. And, and they, they hear sure that everything's else so politicized, so they yeah. hear the it in political, political categories, just, just like, like you heard it in political categories. categories. It, it looks, looks like that's the language of the gospel. And I try very hard not to weigh in on either side. Though I think it comes out that I am inclined more towards the left. Yeah, um, um, politically. politically, but but we um, yeah, I'm thankful, and thankful for them. them. Uh, yeah. and we need dialogue partners on, on the other side to say objective
0: things. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, I, I just wonder how much because I don't know. In the last six months, everybody's paying attention to world or events in America. They're watching the news a lot more. And what I, I've been doing it, I've been watching the news more than I ever have the last six eight months. Even just keeping up, like in the pandemic, are we going to be alive tomorrow? You know, what's that? <laughs> is it mask? No mask. You know, are we all gonna man, going man, to die? Kids going to school? Yeah. So I mean, I've been trying to keep up, but then now I've been sucked into this vortex of polarization. Even though I'm very aware of it and very much against it, I find my own soul getting sucked into it. When I read MSNBC, yeah. I you know get angry at the right, and then I read Fox News, get angry at the left. And it's like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm Jesus is my king, and like you said, there's. Well, yeah,
1: at least you're pissed off,
0: off in both directions. <laughs> <laughs> you're objectively pissed off. Then I'm all <laughs> disoriented. I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm everybody. Up? But like you said, there. I mean, and this is something I wish people, look, you want to side with one or the other. You want to lean Republican, lean Democrat, whatever. Um, I, I would want to have a conversation about the healthiness of any kind of tribal allegiance. But, sure. but I, I would hope we would all be able to admit that there are values typically promoted on one side or the other that are found in scripture. Like you said, you know, caring for the poor, the marginalized, whatever uh, the immigrant and all these are strong biblical themes that do seem to come up more by those on the left. Um, I I do think it's the sanctity of life is a biblical value and, and other things on the right that I'm like, yeah, that would resonate with scripture too. And um, I, I, but if, if, if all you do is let the, secular news outlets shape your worldview, you're not going to see it that way. You're going to be so sucked into your tribe. You're not going to see any kind of biblical values being promoted by the other side.
1: Yeah. We, we all have, we all have confirmation, confirmation bias and we've, we've got to be aware, aware of it. Of it. You know, oh, I oh, think it froze.
0: Oh, uh, uh, I can hear you. Just keep talking.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. We froze a second there. All right you see yeah you're good we just keep going Oh, okay. yeah 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 it froze we, we, we have a storm that's that's it looks like it might us, but it, it's okay. screwing up the it's jamming the frequencies <laughs> if you know what i'm saying <laughs> Uh yeah so what, what was uh, what, what were you saying before um, you froze? oh gosh i don't know you
0: threw me off <laughs> I, I was gonna ask yep. you though are you, are you uh so again this is coming out uh the day before election do you and maybe you'll change your mind. Are you allowed to say who you vote for? Or do you
1: try, or are you going to vote? You haven't voted last three elections, or now, you know, you know what, so a, See, the thing is, now I, I, I want. To, I'd rather have that. My point is that that should be irrelevant. It, it ought to be in the kingdom irrelevant. Um, if it was irrelevant, see, our church is trying to move to this where we're going to have. We used to try to like show that we are we transcend politics by not talking about it. Okay, um, but. I realize now that we would do a better job at manifesting the kingdom if we did talk about it, but in loving, kind ways. Hmm. Um, it's just that I, 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 we're not there yet, and I don't want to. It, right now, I think it would be more of a distraction than anything. Yeah. But, but I, yeah, so, so to avoid the siloing is, I think, the number one thing. Okay. If, if you care about this country, then we have got to find a way to bring it together. And here's where the church could lead. And, yeah. and, and we, I'm in dialogue with some pastors about this. But to have open conversations where we model decency. We've lost decency in this country, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and where we teach people how to, how to in a loving way, uh, empathize. Get on the inside of each other's skin. Mm-hmm. No one else is doing that. So if the church did it, man, oh, we'd be a light on that. the hill. And that's that's my message right there. That's I, th- I feel like the church has a wide
0: open lane to embody healthy, unity across differences because it's not happening in society right we have a wide open door to say we are going to love each other we're not gonna just because a congregant say votes for trump we're not gonna call him a racist and think he's evil vice versa we're not gonna accuse people who vote maybe more left oh you're just killing babies in the womb you know like those are just unhelpful accusations like you can hold strongly to your opinions you can lean one side or the other But ultimately, let's see the good in each other and be able to, like, have a conversation about it, not just lead with demonizing somebody who disagrees with who we're going to vote for.
1: Amen, amen, amen. This is a a, a great opportunity for the church to show a third way. Mm -hmm. And and, and the beauty of that would be attracting people towards the kingdom. And that is our number one job. Yeah. If you find you know, as an ambassador, you got to ask yourself just how deeply involved in that you want to get. Now, I think you need to care enough to be an informed voter if you're going to vote. Yeah. But, but uh, like I met a person recently who is so into this. Have you ever heard of Q? Uh, Q QAnon? Uh, Q yeah, yeah. yeah. QAnon.
0: Yeah. People think this hat is that this is this by the way from okay, my audience they've gotten a few messages this hat is from Q ideas the organization that's not at all related to what's it called q what is q, that I just heard no, about that recently q anonymous.
1: well it, this it's a it's a conspiracy theory of magnificent proportions um uh, it, there's a source supposedly who's deeply embedded in the government and who reports things that that are top secret uh, and as an it's, it's said that there's a uh, and the Democrats have a sex trafficking ring that involves Hillary Clinton and others, and they're they're uh, it's a, they're always involved in a conspiracy yeah. to uh, get Trump out of office. The Mueller report was all a fabrication. It's all fake news. It's fake, fake, fake. And, and he's so deeply involved in this. And I mean, to me, it was mind-boggling yeah. how much is woven out of sh- virtually no evidence. But the more important thing I said to this person is this, because he's a Christian, a real passionate Christian. Yeah. And I said, what if it's true? Is that supposed to be your primary objective uh, to, to protect the world from that? Look, at, we already know that the principalities and powers are, you know, over authority. Or, so there's corruption everywhere on both sides. Okay, so just assume that there's corruption. Now <laughs> let's get out with kingdom work and show a different kind of kingdom rather than getting sucked into the very same kind of kingdom and putting a Christian right. label on it. Didn't, didn't it have some cannibalism
0: in it? Like, like they're all up. Uh... Hollywood stars and Democrats are like eating. No, I'm serious. I heard like eating children because it helped make them younger or something. Or am I? Did I mishear something?
1: I've no, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I heard that they have uh, they take uh, young blood infusions, okay, that, that, to keep themselves youth. I haven't heard about cannibalism, but okay, it okay like maybe I, that's what it was. Oh, okay, I, I heard some wacky it, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it, it's.
0: I mean, it has, the sex trafficking with Cl- the Clinton. Apparently on Jeff Epstein's island, I, I don't know how conspiracy that is or if that's just like <laughs> – I
1: don't know. Is that a cons- – I think that's – Preston, don't you get it? Everything's connected to everything else. You got to follow the q- the clues, man, the cute q- clues. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, – same yeah. thing with you know, 9-11 being an inside job. You know, oh, yeah. Even as it is, you know, but that, that shouldn't surprise you. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is big. the kingdoms of this world are all governed by the powers. I'm not saying it's all equal; they some are more efficient than others, and blah blah blah. But, but, but for from a kingdom perspective, our point is to contrast with that, yeah. not to be sitting in the middle of it and having taking the our gospel in And, 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 and once it. you invest
0: yourself into one side of that, the second a Republican or Donald Trump comes out, seen on Epstein's Island or whatever, then your whole then you put your allegiance in a wrong tribe and your faith stands or falls with, you're putting your faith in a secular tribe exactly. and that's going to be torn down at some point. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: So there's it, a balance here where, uh, you know, I, I, I had to own up to the reality that I have got a power uh, that I'm in a privileged position mm-hmm. and I have to use that uh, whatever I, uh, power I can to help those that I'm called to help. Uh, they, which are primarily with for the, the outside of the and all that um and so I, I I now do vote um but uh having said that I can't my hope is not in that right I, I that that's a, a little band-aid but my hope mm-hmm. is going is found in Jesus Christ mm-hmm. hope is enough mm-hmm. like nothing less than Jesus Christ and his right relatedness yeah. um, that's what's going to save the world and so that's what our primary focus should be and, and if we're doing that we are we, we will ourselves be Taking care of the poor, the outside, of the needy, feeding the hungry. That's right. our job. And um, instead of fighting over how government should be doing it.
0: And for every ounce what? of energy investing into how government should be doing it, what if we did that as the kingdom of God, you know? like
1: Wouldn't that be just uh, – and you see, we are – he didn't say uh, go have the right opinions about how the government should address the weak, the homeless, the poor, or the outsider. What he said was go out and feed the hungry. Give a right. you know welcome in the stranger. You know show hospitality, radical hospitality. Right. Uh, that's be the good Samaritan who notices the person who is bleeding on the side of the street. Right. That's our job is to do it, not to have all the right opinions about what government should do about it, and then right. dividing over it. Oh, what a what a, what a, what a travesty. Yeah, we, uh, we divide over something that we weren't called to do, and it keeps us from doing the one thing we were called to do. It's a, it's such it's, a sneaky plan from
0: Satan, right? I mean, it's such a, and he's I I, I can picture the enemy just loving this. That as much as the church gets wrapped up in all these divisive political partisan stuff, I mean, that just it ends up doing nothing
1: but stunt the actual work of the kingdom, and he's winning. And and that this is what it is. It's like the whole the you old know, theme of the old testament of how folks we, we fall into idolatry. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to live passionately for the invisible God. We like the concrete ones. And it could be the greed or it could be the sex, you yeah. know, pleasure, it could be you know fame and fortune, power, and possessions, or whatever. We can make an idol of anything. But right now, the market that is the hottest tamale on, on the planet mm-hmm. is the rightness of your political opinions. Yeah. We yeah. we get from how right we are and that that robs from us the worship that's due to the one true God. We begin to ascribe ultimate worth to our rightness and then our tr- the rightness of our tribe. Yeah. And unless, for most people, if once you have an idol in your hands and it's meeting a core need in your life, now you're incapable of thinking objectively about it. Um, it, 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 uh, it you're on the inside. And yeah. a great book I would recommend people to read. Before the election. It is really so insightful. And uh, it, it, it's called, uh, John, Hay, it's called um, The Righteous Mind. Wow. It is so. Uh, can I give you a two minute summary? So, okay.
0: You can go ahead. I advertise this book probably every other podcast. So I want to hear it from you because they're sick of. I, it's the most pastorally necessary book in the last 10 years. That it's I
1: read. T- secular. It's just totally yeah. – but once you learn how the brain operates and you know, we have a 200 million years of developing a, an intuition mm-hmm. brain and you know, only you know, a couple hundred thousand years of developing the higher cognitive brain, the writer of the brain, the writer of the elephant, right? It yep. uses that image. And so so – for the most part, the, our reason does not drive the elephant. The elephant drives reason. We, we, we feel something should be true, so then we find reasons for it. And there's an evolutionary explanation for that. But it just means we, we're not nearly as objective as we think. Right. Oh, are yes. so obvious to us. Uh, you know, yeah. and we, and if you're smart, you find clever ways of justifying it. But on the whole, the reasons you give others for why you believe what you believe are not the reasons that led you to that belief. Yeah. Not usually.
0: I read that book. That 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 was one of those eye-opening books I read in, in just a long... Did you read it when it came out or just recently? I read it just like a no, couple years ago. Out.
1: And I, I didn't see its great significance until I really began to notice this polarization is getting worse oh, yeah. and worse and worse. And I, it's just like... And then I went back and read it again oh, in light yeah. of that. It's like, this is so important. So this explains what's happening here. You know, because it, it's like you have riders of the elephant, and, and they, they, they intuit and they go in different directions, yeah. and then what happens is, but every step one way, your reason is going, good job, oh, that, oh, way to go, that was smart, oh, you yeah, did that, and then the reason's <laughs> job is to help us get it. So we talk ourselves into our own self-certainty, yep. and at that point, the other person can't be a rational being, who sincerely disagrees with me, they're a blank and idiot.
0: Because yeah, yeah.
1: it kind of, it's your certainty. I mean, you're a philosopher. Did you find that
0: message? I've never actually asked a, a Christian philosopher about that book because, you know, I I, I take – I mean, it's, it made sense to me. I was like, this makes – it, it just anecdotally, as I have talked with people over controversial topics, everything you said made sense to me. From a philosophical perspective, though, did, did it – I mean, does it match up from what you know from a epistemological <laughs> standpoint? Uh,
1: you know, you froze for about 30 seconds there. Hey, yeah, are you to, so you just put up like doing like this or how I are you will, gonna I, I will.
0: uh I will figure the, the video on my end's fine. I think it's freezing on your end, but yeah. So my, um, have, let, is... let me go Sorry. back on the uh, just for the audio. So um yeah. from a philosoph, you're a philosopher. You're a philosopher. So I mean, not nah, really. Well, <laughs> more more than most. <laughs> um I mean, okay. I, did did, did okay. John Height's book did it resonate from a philosophical perspective with what you know about epistemology and how we
1: know what we know and well yes but it, it it challenges you know some things um uh, as well mm. um yeah i mean it, it, a secular person could take the, you know if you just go on the basis of science uh well then you know you could argue your way right out of having a soul or how are we made in the yeah. image of god and and the, the book had, had, had made an impact i mean i have to kind of do more work than I thought I had to do um, okay. to integrate the, an evolutionary perspective in, into my Christian perspective. Um, wh- how does this relate to the fall? Uh, yeah. the, the, this, this hubris that we all sort of have, that I am right, and this temptation to get life from our rightness, You know, how does that relate to eating to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? and Some interesting connections there uh, yeah. that, that I haven't all worked out, but, but uh, it, the book impacted me that way. Okay. Uh, but it could also challenge, you know, Elvin um argued this, I forget what the, the, the name of the article was, but but it was – or the name of the book was. But uh, you could argue if all we are is products of evolution, then how can we know truth? Because every step of the way has simply been for survival. So you could say that this you – know, your view of reality is what helps you to survive. But you, And your brain's capacity to reason, which you think is so logical, it simply is that which is helpful to survive. And so how do you get from expediency of survival to truth? There's a gap there. I don't think – I'm not sure you can get there unless you believe that there was a mind at the start of the whole thing, an intelligence that's been guiding this. Now I think there's been warfare, and now I get into other things about what, <laughs> the, all the animal pain and whatever, and that takes us off track. But yeah, so the, the book uh, uh, scratched a lot of itches, but created some more.
0: Okay, that's good, that's good. Well, speaking of books, let's let's move to your recent book here. Uh, again, it's Inspired Imperfec- inspired Imperfection, How the Bible's Problems Enhance Its Divine Authority. I just Did you come up with the title and subtitle, or is that the publisher? I thought it was all me. So, um I, so I'm in a a personal deep dive study on the historical Adam, whether Adam was a historical person, whether Mm -hmm. Genesis one to 11 is myth, um, or is he a composite person, an archetype, whatever, because apparently Genesis one to three in its most literal interpretation just blatantly contradicts some pretty basic scientific stuff that we now know, um, uh, and I don't know if that's even true or not. That's just that those are the claims are being made. So I, I'm kind of like been wrestling with, you know, ancient biblical cosmology. Uh, to me, it's obvious the biblical writers didn't believe in around earth. Like they believe in an ancient cosmology. I don't think that interrupts there. divine authority. I know some people would say it absolutely does because now you have biblical authors I, lying. Because
1: there's pillars that hold up that earth. Yes. <laughs>
0: So anyway, I, I I would suspect that your book deals with this, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. What's the what's the gist of your book? What are you arguing for? And
1: and the, well, the, the gist of it is is this that um, first of all, it's it's important to remember that the Bible uh, it's not a theological text that come down from heaven. It's a story, mm-hmm. and it's a story that centers on Jesus Christ crucified and, 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 and risen, um, and and so. It, it, as we process you know the story, as we process this I, we have to do it from a centered perspective um and and uh, and, and read everything through the lens of christ uh, and so well, what was my point of bringing up that oh yes a Christocentric her- hermeneutic oh here's the thing on the cross, Jesus bore the sin of humanity and the consequences for that sin um and on the surface of the cross, it looks profoundly ugly because it reflects the ugliness of the sin, the injustice of the sin, the abuse of the sin. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, and yet, we look at him and we consider him to be the definitive revelation of God. This is the fullest revelation of God's character. And you find that throughout the, the New Testament. So, on the cross, God revealed his most perfect revelation of himself through the embodiment of all that's broken and wrong and erroneous and sinful in humanity. So if God could breathe his full revelation through that, Hmm. why would anyone think that God needs an inerrant book to breathe a revelation through? Hmm. And I would argue that that logic just goes against the very nature of the incarnation, which the whole book is supposed to point to. Uh, The the point is God stoops down and uses people where they're at, even in an inspiration. When God breathes through them, and I believe the Bible is fully inspired. But when God breathes through people, he doesn't lobotomize them and and turn them just into robots who just not only repeat what he says. He leaves their personalities intact. You, you see that All, every author has their own writing style, their own perspective, whatever. He even leaves their fallibility for, intact. So, for example, in First Corinthians one thirteen. Uh, Paul is at one point he's talking about the divisions at Corinth and people are like taking pride over who they were baptized by. And so Paul says that I says, I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you when I was with you in in, in Corinth. Well, except for the household of of Christmas and Gaius. And then he goes, well, I also did baptize the household of Stephanus. Yeah, I don't know who I baptized and who I didn't baptize. (laughs) So he ends up. So he, he, no, Paul's got a faulty memory. He like has to correct himself. And the, that alone just topples the thing of inerrancy. I would think he admits he made an error. It's like, I, I don't know who I, I baptized, but God leaves that in place. He doesn't get, God's got a perfect memory, but he, God doesn't translate that to Paul. He uses Paul in his fallibility. And that I think is one of the major motifs of the Bible. He uses the weak things of the world, the, 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 the ugly things the you know, the ordinary people like us. And, um, and and so I think the fallibility of the Bible, in terms of you know historical details, all that—that that is something to be celebrated. I think it point it's in it, it more perfectly points to the cross where God took on all of our brokenness and sin mm-hmm. and errors.
0: It has kind of an incarnational flair to it, and you know we look I, at well, God, Blair, I think. Son yeah. of God born in the manger as the beautiful thing, even though it's a very kind of you know. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: it's, sure. it's, He's it's just to confound the strong, yeah. the foolish things to confound the wise. So what about, so,
0: I'm, yeah, I'm just going to throw out just the basic classic arguments I'm sure you've addressed probably 45 years ago in your ministry, but... Um,
1: and- emphasizing my
0: age <laughs> well, it's me. wisdom man it's i'm praising your wisdom um <laughs> what about when um a historical statement which you say can be erroneous is tethered to a spiritual truth you know a classic example might be um oh, oh i don't know i mean I, for last adam first adam you know analogies if there wasn't a first adam then what's uh, the spiritual truth of the last Adam falls apart. So the argument goes, um, or what about, you know, I've, I, we, we don't need to talk about sexual ethics, but I mean, in, in the work that I do, I've seen people say, yeah, Paul had a certain sexual ethic, but he was flat out wrong. You know, like just no, we, we can't obey that today, you know? And, yeah. um, and I, I don't want to, I'm nervous about slippery slope. Art, you know? It's a slippery slope. You know. I I, I think that argument was abused, but I, I can't see somebody in this case say, "Well, wait a minute. If if there's mistakes in his history and cosmology, then how do we know there's not mistake in ethics, or is there mistakes in ethics?" So,
1: so it'd be a very good question, uh, Preston. Um, but see, and that's that slippery slope fear is, I think, what has buttressed up the whole idea of inerrancy. You, you need to have this impenetrable fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you admit one mistake, well, then what about that? What about that? And you know my my the pastor of the church where I got saved a trillion years ago uh, in 1974. Um, but he, he taught if Adam and Eve aren't literal and the earth wasn't created in six literal days, then the entire Bible might as well be a book of lies. So I take my first class in 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 science in my at the, at the University of Minnesota was on evolutionary biology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I took it on purpose because I, I had read three whole books, in three books, all from a creationist perspective, but they slammed evolution. And so I had note cards on how I was going to refute this professor to keep the class from believing this heinous, you know, heresy. Uh, and I go in there and every day, if there's any opportunity to, like, criticize something, I raise my hand. Well, what about the second law of thermodynamics, huh? Like the guy never thought of it before. And this guy, he, he was – I was expecting some evil, you know, kind of corrupt young minds. But um, – he was the nicest guy in the world, and he just carved me up, just <laughs> – <laughs> and, and the class would giggle a little bit. Um, and I'd come back the next day, and I had my note cards. At, at one point, some of the students started saying, will you tell him to shut up? We're trying to learn here. And he actually defended me. He goes, no, it's good to have a, a person who's wow. ca- calling into question fundamental assumptions of science. In some ways, that bugged me because he was so nice to me, and I wanted to not like him. I ended up liking him, and I ended up becoming convinced that there's something to the theory of evolution. And you know what? The whole Bible must be a book of lies, and I thought I had to get rid of the whole thing. One of the reasons I wrote... I eventually came back to the faith, clawed my way back. But one of the reasons I wrote this book was because I see so many young evangelicals leaving the faith for the dumbest reasons, mm-hmm. but they make perfect sense if you're going to try to defend an inner Bible. It's a it's a very vulnerable doctrine to try to defend because it's pretty easy to refute. I give you a assortment of examples in in, in, in the, uh, the the book, um, and all the time, I know, there's, sometimes you can explain them by this, that, or the other thing, but at some point those explanations really get yeah. to Grow thin and people leave. So yeah, I I, that, that I, I I'm very wary of that there's little argument. But he, he, so here's here's how I establish things at least in my brain. Um, I my faith is anchored not in, 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 in an inspired Bible. My faith is anchored in Jesus Christ, and I believe in an inspired Bible because I believe in Him. Uh, and I have got I think really compelling historical reasons and philosophical and 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 spiritual uh, existential. Uh, reasons for believing he really is lord you don't begin all that now but uh, and and so I, tr- I i trust that the god i think i've got good reasons to trust that the way the gospels present jesus is more or less generally like the way jesus actually was to the yeah. point where i'm confident enough to base my life on this and so now i believe the whole bible is inspired and i'll read it as as the word of god um but when i read the bible as the word of god i'm not reading it I I want to read it for whatever it has to teach me. Um, And to do that, I can't be always questioning it, like what's behind the text? See, in the Enlightenment period, when we developed the critical historical method, the goal now is to get behind the text. What's the reality to which the text applies? But Jesus wasn't thinking that way when he endorsed the text. He just endorsed the text. The story is, is authentic, word of God, regardless of how it corresponds to history. Some stories, I've got reasons, I think, correspond pretty closely, but others not so closely. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to the Gospels, well, I have taken the time to do the historical critical research to prove that it is reliable, because on that, everything hangs. Mm -hmm. But once I have – that's my reasons for believing the Bible. Um, And and so I don't worry very much at all about uh, the the historical – Adam. I do want to try to integrate as much of that as possible, but yeah. I don't worry if I can't. Yeah, uh, because yeah. it doesn't have its authority because of the way it corresponds its with history, it has its authority because Jesus gives it that authority, okay. and then it's God breathed. That I think is a defensible faith. Yeah. So, I, yeah, no,
0: I, I appreciate all that, and I, I, I have not worked through this on any in depth level. So I'm really, I was, I was just talking to one of my my kids today about it. You know, she was asking, "Was Adam really a historical figure?" I'm like, "Hey, I'm actually reading a book on that right now." And and I said, "Look, it's the my assumption is the Bible is true. Um, how it's true, I'm open. Maybe Genesis one to eleven is a myth. If that's true, then that's true, and I'm not. My faith isn't shaken by that. Maybe it's a lot more literal than some people say. I, I don't know, but I'm not going to let my faith hang on some assumptions about what the Bible must do.
1: Um, okay, but what God wants to teach you through it." Is unchanged regardless of how you estimate its right. genre, whether history or partly myth or whatever. Right. Karl Barth said when the end of the Bible, uh, uh, "Enter into the the reality yeah. of the text. The Spirit draws us into it so that it is literal. I take it literal, but from the from the perspective of the story, on, on the inside of the story, mm-hmm. like you enter a virtual reality, if you will." Yeah, and adversariality sure, is the means by which God teaches us the mm-hmm. truths that He wants us to know. What do you think about
0: this though? Because you have use the word like inerrancy a few times, and I see inerrancy kind of a broad concept. There are some on the in, within inerrancy, and I, I would still, I would still claim inerrancy, but I want to define it the way I. I don't want somebody else's definition of it. Sure. So, like, um, obviously, there's a lot of people who are inerrantists that are highly literal, you know, 6-day creation, young earth, um, yeah. no Adam must be a whatever. But then there's a more broader camp, I think, that um you know, it, the Bible's true in what it intent, in what it says and how it intends to say it. So like you can say Jonah was it was a parable. And you can still believe in an heresy because you can say the author of sure. Jonah intended it to be a parable. It wasn't intended to be uh exactly. like I would take Joe Job, I think there probably was a historical person named Job, but the whole book itself is just saturated with po- poetry and all kinds of images. And it's not you know, like, like that, a that, Job's you know, like three it, friends didn't speak in ancient poetry. Like, <laughs> like like that. That. Um, but I can say that from a now some people on the hardcore, maybe literal side would say, no, 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 that's not taking it literal. I'm like, well, that's not that's not the goal of an heresy. An heresy just says it's true in the intention. <laughs> Shoot, did I cut out? yeah yeah okay um but anyway you, you, can, you, you kind of know what i'm getting at. is that is that fair to say that there's kind of
1: a more strict
0: kind of inerrancy oh, yeah.
1: versus a more well, anyway, flexible that, yeah so so look at when i it, the word inerrancy is now been so broadly defined that i'm not sure it means anything distinct at all and that's one <laughs> of the problems but as long as it was in to my to my advantage uh I, as long as it benefited me, I could use the word inerrancy. Uh, it's inerrancy of purpose, you know, but, but it can err in all sorts of other things. Uh, and, and so I did. I now purposely don't use that word because I think the word is dangerous. It sets it, mm. it, it, it sets some kids up for a fall, not just kids, but yeah. other people for the fall. Or it leads to, you know, people feeling the need to go into these great extensive defenses of things when, you know – so I, I, I purposely don't use the word. I don't think it's it's a it's a helpful word anymore. I, I like the word infallible. It has yeah. more the, the sense that it will not fail you. If I go to the Bible for the purposes for which God intended it, it will yeah. never let me down. Okay. Uh, it, so I can count on it. But uh, yeah, in, in inerrant, I just don't think is is yeah. helpful. Word. But I don't I don't uh, yeah. look down on you for still using it. Well, I don't no, I and I don't. I actually don't. I actually I'm
0: the same way. I prefer infallibility. But like, if I go to ETS, I can sign the statement on inerrancy because yeah. I'm defining it the way I am. I can believe that you know Jonah's a, and I'm not, I'm not saying Jonah was a myth. I, I actually don't don't know. But um, you know, I, I can, be, yeah, you know, because I'm defining it very carefully. I can, I can agree with that statement, even though I might agree with something different than what they're intending by. It. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, but no, yeah. I, I never, um, I never purposely front load that term because I do think that people equate iner- inerrancy with literalness with. A particular reading of Genesis, a particular reading of um, you know certain passages in the Old Testament, or, or even new, um, a certain interpretation of Revelation. You know, there must be a dragon, there must be all this stuff, and it's like that's just not how apocalyptic language works, you
1: know, in the first right, century. Right, right. So, and yeah, there's all those genre issues, but, but even with all the qualifications in, in the world, uh, you know, there's there's like some cases where I like the conquest narrative. Uh, there's just No archaeological evidence that it went down the way that the scripture says it went down. Um, But see, what I like about your position is that you're pretty much saying, well, that's not that's that's irrelevant, Uh, and I think it is irrelevant. The story, the story is the story. That's the authority. Uh, not its relationship with, with with history. Wait, wait, wait.
0: I've got to back up this truck just for a second. <laughs> what, what what do you mean that, that there's no historical evidence uh, that the conquest went down the way did?
1: Do we that, need to go there? I, I just, I'm i just curious. We don't need to spend well, a lot of time no, you, So the, the vast majority of Old Testament scholars, and the archaeological evidence you have to see up front, can, is, is notoriously difficult to interpret. It can be, you know... In the Israel, so there's different ways of looking at it, but and I haven't looked at it honestly. Seriously, well, I did look at it some while I was writing Crucifixion of the Warrior God, uh, but but not that extensively. But it seems to me the, the majority of all times scholars argue that uh the Israelites got into the promised land through a process of migration, uh, that's over a long period of time. The evidence suggests a gradual sort of thing, and while there were skirmishes and fights and stuff. Uh, there doesn't seem to be this mass extermination thing that that you, you read about in Joshua. Most scholars think that it was it, it was it was a uh, idealized political ideology that was kind of retroactively spoken. They, they idealized the past uh, as a way of calling Israelites to um, uh, sort of their own identity in the present. Yeah. Okay, so that's how that. And I'm not sure. I'm inclined to think that the evidence is in their favor but I don't have any horses in that race Yeah. because the the, the the book will stay the same for me, whether it corresponds with history or not. Yeah. Now, if, if, if things get shaky with the, uh, with Jesus, now all bets are off. We've got to, you know, go back to ground zero and look at that. But as long as I know why I believe in Jesus and trust his authority, uh, then I'll have a submitted attitude towards the Bible that he had a submitted attitude towards, towards. And, um, uh, I'll affirm it in, yeah. as the inspired story.
0: Yeah, I I, I think there's more evidence for. I, I I agree with the 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 dating. I think the dating's tricky. I mean, most people point to like kind of a Iron Age two um, destruction level, but you do see. I don't know. There's there's mixed evidence. I mean, Hot sore has that massive burn layer. Jericho has it cataclysmic destruction every city that says that in joshua that says that they didn't just beat the army but they actually burned the city we have burn layers the dating's tricky but i don't know yeah, Kevin yeah, kitchen edwin Bryant yeah. brian Wood, lots of archaeologists who i,
1: I will i will gladly <laughs> just... you're, you're you're saying you don't have a dog in that fight i want my audience to know okay, though that, you know, it doesn't cause me to celebrate right. uh or, or just like you know, that wasn't true it would cause me to despair it, it, it's uh that's interesting. I probably should read up more on that. I, you know, that it, it, it hasn't been something I, I've been more worried about uh, the violent depiction of God in the right. book of, of Joshua than I am the historicity of it.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, in all, yeah. We don't need to keep kicking the dead. I, I think to to Go your po- to your point, there is a, a a genre of recording military victory that's filled with hyperbole that would allow for the ancient biblical writers to be to be portraying. It's, it's it's at least possible within the infallibility of scripture for the biblical writers to be using a militaristic conquering genre where there are sure. lots of hyperbole overstatements and that's just the way they wrote just like today we might do a news you know have a genre that's just well known to our people and that's how we're conveying you know an idea uh, yeah but, the, but
1: and i i love this topic so if you don't mind let's keep on talking about it sure. i mean this is and i think it's so important you know um but the, the that hyperbole, the military bravado thing, yeah. my reservations about that is that, for one thing, God is depicted as us using it. Um, and it's a way of beating your chest. I slaughtered every man, woman, child. You know? So even if you grant that humans use it, why would God feel the need to do that? They always use it to bo- boast up themselves. Here's how violent we were. The second thing is that there's yeah. some of the characters that can't be subjected to that like for example in numbers 31 when moses believes that god told him to go out and he says go and and uh slaughter the 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 midianites well they go and do it but they bring back uh the women and the young girls i mean the young boys which tells you that all the other folks were actually slaughtered and so the hyperbole thing and then moses says uh well spare all the virgins." and keep them for yourselves, which is yeah. the ancient years. So, You know, you get to have some spoils of war. You get to enjoy spoils of war. So keep the young virgins, but kill all the non-virgins and the boys. Yeah. So uh, no hyperbole is going to get you out of that mess. <laughs> <laughs> Number 31 yeah. is gnarly. No, there's no way around that. I, I... Hey, but Preston, it, here, it comes full circle, because yeah. see, this is a great great case in point. Um, When I can look at that through the lens of Christ. See, if I resolve that Jesus Christ crucified is the definitive revelation of God, everything in the Bible is supposed to point to him, right? Everything, he says, it's all about me. Moses wrote about me. Uh, And so you got to ask, how do those accounts of the Israelites slaughtering men, women, children, and even the babies, even the animals that they spared the trees, uh, how does that point to Jesus? And see, here's where... It does if you – if I look at the cross where he bears all the sin of the world, God reveals himself by taking on our sin, mm-hmm. by coming down to our level, by meeting us where we are at and therefore taking on an appearance that looks as ugly as where we are at. Mm-hmm. So if that's the way God reveals himself in Christ, shouldn't I read the Bible? Since God – that same God inspired the Bible, shouldn't I read the Bible looking for where has God stooped to bear the sin of his people and taking on an appearance that resembles the, the ugliness of that sin? Mm-hmm. And I just mentioned – when I come to the you know, portraits of God saying, slaughter them all, um, which look remarkably like the ancient Near eastern gods. You know, it's, 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 in, the, in the Old Testament, you find some magnificent depictions of God that have no parallel in the ancient Near East. And they look Christ-like. And that, those are indications of where the spirit of God broke through. But you find others that are just horrific, uh, macabre, as, as bloodthirsty as what you find in the ancient Near East. And now when, when I read those things, I see that as pointing to a God who was not he, – he always respects the personhood of his, his people. He doesn't lobotomize them into believing truth, which means that at some point he's going to have to accept them believing falsehoods and staying in covenant with them as they believe falsehoods. Which, and since they're writing this story, the, their depiction of God is going to be the one that gets written. Mm-hmm. Those depictions to me just show how far God is willing to stoop to stay in a covenant relationship with His people, yeah. and He's willing to bear their sin and take on that ugliness. And so, I think the ugly stuff in the Old Testament points to the ugliness of the cross, but all the ugliness points also to the beauty of a God who's willing to step into that ugliness.
0: Yeah, no, that's good, man.
1: I mean, I, I,
0: I, I totally agree with that conclusion. I'm not, yeah, I know we're on different. Um, we have slightly different takes on, on the Old Testament narratives. If, if, if the reader's interested, I've got a, a short treatment in my book, Fight a Christian Case for Nonviolence on the Old Testament of Violence. Greg has a much longer. Um, <laughs> how, many, how many pages did you devote, devote to just all the Old Testament violence? I mean, is that like half of your book? Oh, or
1: No, no. Oh, uh, it. Is inspired in perfection. I don't get into that at no, all. No, no, no. The okay. other
0: one, the "Crucifixion of the Warrior God." Okay. So, um,
1: Crucifixion of the Warrior God is uh, about eighteen hundred pages. Right. Then I did a popular version of it called Cross Vision. Oh, right. And okay, yeah. Oh, uh, two hundred fifty pages. And okay. It's all about uh, a cruciform, Christ-centered, cross-centered reading and interpretation of uh, the Bible.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool. So if you have to, yeah, if you guys want to check out some more of that, we don't have time to get into. It. I've already taken Greg almost an hour and. My audience audience doesn't even know what it took for me to get Greg Boyd on this recording. We had computer issues, we had storms, we had dogs that were on walks and all kinds of stuff. And even now my... Um, i realized halfway through that my good microphone this thing isn't working so i this is i'm just using the computer audio but but we got
1: it i think we got most of it so uh, I, I hope so uh yeah, you got a couple freezes along the way there yeah I, it's warfare baby it's real it, it, it's absolutely real
0: yeah yeah so i i encourage you guys to check out his book inspired in perfection how the bible's problems enhance its divine authority one thing i love about you greg is man i i um, I, you know whether the reader is going to agree with everything you say in the book. There's you. you never have a thoughtless. Everything you write is just super challenging and thought out. I just, to me, that's I. I, I well, love hey, everything you write. So
1: you're you're writing that same genre and I appreciate uh, all that you're doing for the kingdom. Uh, thanks, Matt. And thanks. And most importantly, you see, we, we I love it when we can model uh, fun. Yeah. And loving and even fun disagreements and yeah. talk about stuff without needing to you know you idiot sure! <laughs> well i just i yeah going back to
0: we bring it back full circle like if if we if we truly respect the fact that everybody's on a journey everybody's seeking the truth on some way and we're all getting it wrong on some way and um we don't want to sit in an echo chamber and just surround ourselves with people that agree on every jot and tittle that's not interesting nor is it even healthy you know um yeah. so yeah all right, man. Well, yeah. Thanks well, for coming on, and uh yeah, encourage right, my to audience. One, good.
1: Can I say one more word? Yeah, yeah. Go for it, man. I'll explain to folks why I'm sweating so badly. <laughs> my air conditioner broke, and uh, <laughs> uh so yeah. This, and we're we it's hot out there. It's so humid out here, and the yeah. storm right on our edge. So, yeah, I'm kind of turning into sweat, Like, oh, I apologize. You're like a sweaty old preacher, man. I get all worked up. Love it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yeah, the God's fire of God, God
0: shut up in your bones.
1: <laughs> hey, thanks, God.
0: Appreciate you. All right, take care.